Welcome once again to Devotional. This is lesson number 5 for Wednesday, December 12th. Well, I'm excited. We are really getting into those some, not necessarily deep waters, but just thinking waters. Waters that are engaging our minds, uh, getting us into some fresh waters, uh, territories that you know I had not explored or thought of before. And so I'm excited that you are still joining. And I'm hoping that you'll review it. If there's things that I've said that you're not quite sure what I'm talking about, uh, please contact me. Uh, you can e- e- reach me by email. There are links that you can um, send messages to me. And I'll be happy to answer the questions as best as I can. Um, today, we're going to continue with what we started yesterday. The first angel's message, how beautifully it, it follows that same pattern. It gives us the reason why we should worship God. We're saved, salvation. God's judgment. Once we experience His salvation, that produces in us a desire, the motivation, the reason why we ought to worship God. And we see that in the first angel's message. But we, I told you that we we're going to talk about that the element of fearing God and giving Him glory. Um, so, what is Bible study, right? Because today's Bible, uh, the, the title for today's lesson is Bible study and fellowship. What does all of that have to do with what we're going to be doing? Right? We're going to be talking about the fear of God. Well, rather than going to the lesson and saying we ought to do this, let's do it. right? And that's what I'm going to try to do um, in this podcast. It works best, though, on a two-way uh, a relationship. Um, I wrote down on my notes for this podcast for today. What can I liken? What can I compare Bible study to? And the best thing that I can think of right now that I can compare Bible study to is dating. Bible study is nothing more and nothing less than dating, dating God, which, you know, it kind of sounds weird because we typically think dating only happens when we are single in the process of finding someone which we eventually get married. But my wife, you know, she, she lovingly reminded me that, especially at the beginning of our marriage, dating shouldn't end when I say I do. I do doesn't mean I'm done, (laughs) right? Uh, I do does not mean I'm done with pursuing you. Because what is dating? Anyways, it's not ice cream. It's not movies. It's not restaurants. It's not even pizza. Can you believe that? That's not dating. Sharing a pizza with someone else, not dating. What is dating? The, the, The way that I've, again, scribbled down my thoughts are dating is questions, that's dating. At the core, proper, correct, genuine dating is questions. Questions because the more of the more of what I know of this person, the more I want to know. And the only way to know is through questions. Dating is questions. And Bible studies are like dating, or a very close parallel. And it's not and it's actually follows a, a pretty close parallel because People date God, so to speak. Every time there's a Bible study, we engage God's word. We ask questions. We get to know him more. Until the day we are ready to proclaim publicly, I'm going to live my life for him and him alone. God is going to be the center of my life, which is something that I did with my wife. We dated. The more I got to know her, the more interesting she became. When I asked her questions, you know, like, why are you getting your PhD? It wasn't the you know, what are you getting your PhD on, but why? I didn't want to marry a snobby PhD person when she was at Ohio State working for it. I was just starting to finish my associates. <laughs> I was way behind. 
and yes, there was a little bit of man, you know, this she's working on her PhD, you know. I I feel like the that movie, the 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 Lady and the Tramp, you know. Uh, how am I going to measure up academically? But she was not interested in that either. She asked me questions, uh, and the, the more we answered and exposed ourselves, the more we wanted to know. That's Bible study. At least that's what Bible study ought to be, should be all the time. And we shouldn't just like you know, we shouldn't just date your wife before you got married or your husband, but continue that dating after you're married. You shouldn't study the Bible in preparation for baptism only. In fact. It's after your baptism that you ought to really spend time studying the Bible. Just like after you're getting married, you should really spend time getting to know each other more because now you're going to get to know each other at a whole different new level. So, um, let's Bible study, right? Let's date. <laughs> let's date the, the Lord through the Word. It's a maybe awkward way of saying it, but it's real. And the book of uh, Song of Solomon clearly illustrates that process of going from dating, courting, to uh, reaching marriage that we will never part again so the Holy Spirit tells us through the Apostle John in the first angels message the very first two words out of um, words written um, is fear God this is how the everlasting gospel the good news that never expire that that will never stop being good news this is how they begin with the words fear God what well the Bible tells us um, there are two kinds of fears and I, I gained this insight many years ago when I was in California. I was watching a Christian television program, and they had two two um, good um, Bible students there, uh, James Rafferty and Ty Gibson. You may know them now because of a ministry called Lightbearers, and they have an excellent program on the Hope Channel and 3ABN called Table Talk, with two personal friends of mine, uh, David Ashrick and Jeffrey Rosario. And uh, this insight came from them, and I've never forgotten it. And it's been a huge piece of this puzzle in trying to understand what the fear of God is. It's out of Exodus chapter 20, verse 20. The context is, if you're a Bible student, <laughs> if you've been dating, um, Exodus 20, 20 is you know, where God gives the Ten Commandments audibly, um, audibly. And of course, he does write them down with his finger on tables of stones, but this is when he gives them audibly with smoke and thunder and lightning and trumpets on top of Mount Sinai. And when he finishes, here's, here's what we pick up. Um, starting in verse 18 for the context, And the people perceived the thunder and the lightning flashes and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood at a distance. Then they said to Moses, you speak with us yourself, and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us, or we will die. Now, mind you, we don't have to conjecture or try to guess, what was God saying? Was God saying, I'm so angry at you guys, you idolatrous bunch? No, all God finished saying is, you shall have no other gods before me. Actually, before that, he says, I am the God that has brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Therefore, you shall have no other gods before me, no graven images, don't take my name in vain, keep the Sabbath, honor your mom and dad, don't murder, and etc., 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 don't covet. That's all God says. He speaks his law, and the people feel that they're going to die. It wasn't just the grandiosity of the imagery, you know, of the thunder and the lightning and all that stuff. It was what actually was said. When God speaks his law, it penetrates. 
to the deepest part of our consciousness and it reveals to us we become naked before him and the people recognize what it meant that the wages of sin is death it doesn't say God is death the wages of sin is death and when God spoke the Ten Commandments that law revealed the sin within the heart of the Israelite nation and they naturally felt the consequences were upon them we were going to die but they misunderstood they thought God's gonna kill us they didn't say sins gonna kill us it's God's gonna kill us we're gonna die if God just speaks to us verse 20 is the key right here uh, you, and this is how I remember this, this verse Exodus 20:20. 20, 20. you got 2020 vision as to what the fear of God is you can see it clearly here other places highlighted Moses said to the people do not be afraid do not fear for God has come in order to test you and in order that his fear may be upon you so that you may not sin powerful here the reason I like this verse is because it it uh, contrasts and reveals first of all that there's two kinds of fears and makes a huge contrast between them the people have just said don't let God speak to us we're gonna die and Moses begins by saying do not fear in, in essence do not fear God do not fear God there's a reason why you fear God and you should not there's a fear that he wants to place upon you there's a, a fear that he wants to gift you and when you receive this fear that comes from God the fear of God it will work upon you in such a way that you will not sin isn't that powerful now I'm, I'm, I wanna before I, I go too fa fast I, I want to move in sequence here um, the people were afraid right this fear has an origin Genesis chapter 3 verse 10 you know exactly where I'm going if you've been doing Bible studies if you've been dating <laughs> uh, Genesis chapter 3 verse 10 Adam says to God I heard the sound of you of your voice in the garden and I was afraid the very first emotion spoken after sin enters our experience is fear and what was humanity afraid of God they heard the voice of God and they were afraid in Mount Sinai people hear the voice of God and what do they fear 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 of dying God's gonna kill us when God is not going to kill us in Genesis 3 10 God was not showing up at the Garden of Eden to kill them he was showing up to save them in Exodus chapter 20 God has just saved them from the bondage of Egypt now God wants to save them from an even greater bondage the bondage of sin you want to understand what the fear of God is you have to separate it the fear of God is not to be afraid of God which sounds contradictory but that's how the Bible defines it and, and the Bible uses um, these words in context consistently there is a fear of God that speaks of something positive in something that God is placing within us that reverses that fear that we naturally have because of the fall of sin so when the everlasting gospel begins with the words fear God which fear do you think it's referring to of course the one that Moses promised God wanted to place upon the hearts of the Israelites so that they would not sin the problem wasn't God the problem wasn't Mount Sinai the problem wasn't the law the problem wasn't the smoke or the lightning Moses wasn't afraid the problem was sin that's the problem and that's what God wants to address 
Now, sin remains an abstract term, and I share that with this past with my churches this past Sabbath. Um, what is sin in context of the fear of the Lord? I've shared this with both my Monroe Church and Oakwood Church. The Monroe Church, most most recently, Proverbs 8.13. These are my favorite verses that I'm sharing with you. There are many others, but these are my favorite verses because of their simplicity. Proverbs 8.13 says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. The fear of God, the fear of the Lord, is to hate evil, is to hate pride, to hate arrogance, to hate the evil way, and to hate the perverted mouth. It's sandwiched. It begins with hating, hating, hate evil, and then at the very end, it pronounced it, it, it again, it addressed, uses the word hate. I filled it in so that you could get the punch, the punchiness of this. You and I don't. We don't hate pride. We love it. Um, it feeds us, so we crave it. it. It sneaks up on us. It's it's like radon gas. We don't smell it. We don't notice it. We need a, a different sensor, an outside source of an alarm to let us know when we're being exposed to it. We are so used to pride, it does not offend us one bit. But when God puts his fear in us, what we used to love, what we used to be comfortable with, now we begin to hate. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. And what is evil? The very first thing on the list is pride. Pride, arrogance, and the evil way, and the perverted mouth I hate. I want that. I cannot produce it. God offers it to us as a gift. We are born again when we are experiencing the grace of God, the salvation of God, or as the first angel's message would call it, the judgments of God. Keep in mind, uh, we just read Exodus chapter 6 yesterday. Uh, chapter 6, I believe, was verse 6, in which, yes, Exodus 6, um, verses 1 through 6. But it was in verse 6 where we understood judgments in, in a completely fresh, new, beautiful light. And it's consistent throughout the Old Testament. I told you that I didn't want to get ahead. I learned this in the seminary. It just blew me away. There was things, I wish I could have taken more classes while I was there. One of the things that I, I cherish the most is the day that our professor that was teaching us the sanctuary asked us, and we, we were learning about judgment, God's judgments. And he says, what is the Old Testament book that most beautifully highlights this picture of God's judgments being about salvation, not condemnation, about redeeming, defending, and protecting his people, not condemning and destroying them. You know, Leviticus, no. Exodus, no. Deuteronomy, no. Mm. We were left, we were stumped. And then he said, it's, it's the easy, it's way easier. And we were more, more, more stumped. How could it be easier than Leviticus, right? That's where the Day of Atonement is. That's where all the, the Levitical laws regarding the Day of Judgment are. And he says, the, the, the book where it most clearly shines is in the book of Judges. And <laughs> I chuckled. I was like, oh, man, well, how come we didn't see it? And that's because, you know, I wasn't dating as much as I should have. I was not studying as much as I should have. Um, before I read this verse, I, I do feel like I need to read something from the lesson itself. Um, we, we have... Uh, let me get to the Bible first and then I'll switch over to the lesson so that I can show you some things that I believe this is where the idea of dating came from. Um, it's towards the end, the second to last paragraph at the bottom of Wednesday's lesson says, Wherever the truths of the gospel are proclaimed, those who honestly desire to do right are led to a diligent 
searching of the scriptures. Later on, it says the example of the Bereans searching the scriptures daily. You know, if it wasn't because job restraints, I would have been dating Delene on a daily basis. And most of us, if we look back, um, it, when we started dating, man, you, you, you couldn't get enough days off, right? And, and the weekends, forget it. You know, the, when whenever a friend would disappear off the face of the earth, we knew that they were dating. So um, this is what the lesson is telling us to do. And in this podcast, we're doing and I'm excited. I'm excited doing it, just as excited as I was when I knew that I was going to be able to spend some time with Aline. I wasn't excited about the pizza. I was excited by the fact that I have questions. I need to know her more. I want to know this, and I want to know, and I'm thinking about all these questions. And the time would fly. The time would fly. And it should be like that every time you and I engage the Word, engage Scripture. I mean, why fellowship, right? Why fellowship? Just to hang out? Just to talk about the, the ball game? Just about talk about, you know, football and golf and money and this and that, the politics. No, I didn't go on a date on the lean to talk about politics. I didn't ask the lean to go and I didn't drive six hours to Columbus, Ohio to go eat ice cream. Oh, man, this ice cream cone. I can't believe how ah, six hours. It was so worth it. No way. Why do you and I fellowship as Christians? We ought to find the greatest joy in fellowship when we fellowship to study about the God that loves us and we claim to love Him. If we love Him, we will love to know more of Him. I'm still learning about my wife. We went in 12 years of marriage. And she's a human being with limited experiences and myself as well. Yet we're learning new things about each other almost on a daily basis. How much more about the infinite God who is eternal, who has revealed Himself through the Scriptures? Enough said. I'm appealing to you right now, fellowship with brothers and sisters for the purpose, the intentional purpose of studying the scriptures with them. Not bringing your own opinions, pick a gospel, go through it, and pick a day of the week in which either on the phone or Skype or face-to-face, -face, if, if it's possible, preferable, um, study together. Don't wait just for Sabbath morning for, for, for the Sabbath school. You and I spend way too much time with people we don't know, who don't care about us, who don't even know us. We give them way more time than we do our church members. And I'm talking about television, of course. Judges chapter 2, verse 18. This is the verse that I've never forgotten. It. It's not even in my notes right now. When the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge and delivered his people from the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge for the lord was moved to pity to compassion by their groaning because of those who oppressed and afflicted them this is the embodiment of god's judgment for us and the judges were supposed to represent god as our ultimate judge he's there to defend us and protect us and redeem us from the one who afflicts us and persecutes us on a daily basis the adversary that judgment anyways so this fear of god is the result of having experienced this fear this new revelation of god through his judgments he was not out to kill me he was out to save me and now when i when i begin to understand what he has saved me from a huge reversal takes place in my mind whereas before i was afraid of god now I am afraid of sin. I'm going to say this. 
before your conversion, you and I do not, you did not fear sin. I did not fear sin. We loved it. We thought it was the best thing. And if we could get it for free, ooh, even better. Sin did not scare us. Even though we went to church and heard sermons about the wages of sin being death. It went in one ear and out the other. Sabbath went down. We were relishing in sin. But after conversion, after having received the fear of God, now there's a new process, a new beginning, a new journey in experiencing a growing, intensifying hatred for the very things I used to love. That's the everlasting gospel. I am no longer afraid of God. Now I correctly fear that which will rob me of not just eternal life, but every possible joy and blessing during my stay here on earth. So, how does all of this happen? How does God put this fear inside of our hearts? How did this whole thing take place? We will study about that tomorrow <laughs> in tomorrow's podcast. I'm, ho I'm hoping that, you know, hopefully this is causing in you a desire to date again, to spend time again, to say, man, I can't wait till the next time we study the Bible. And you know what? You don't have to be limited to your phone and this podcast. It's even better when you do it with a brother and sister live. <laughs>